0: Hello, you're back with the Untitled SEO Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Laws of SEO. I am the senior owner of white hair and not the owner of enough teeth, which isn't going to make sense unless you see a picture of me one day, but it explains some of the efforts. Um Yes, I, I don't have all my teeth because I've led a, an adventureful life, but this isn't a podcast about my dental work. This is a podcast about getting to know people in the field of digital marketing. And I've spoken to several SEO people recently and other people who are sort of what I think was very directly part of digital marketing. But then I met somebody at a 4N networking meeting very recently. And when she told the room what she did, my little ears, ears stood up on stalks. I think I'm getting <laughs> my metaphors mixed up there. And I thought, oh, I definitely need to speak to this person. So honored guest, would you like to introduce yourself, please?
1: Thank you, Andrew. What a lovely intro. Um, so I'm Betty Adamu, and I am a gamification expert, designer, and author, and I'm really, really happy to be on your podcast.
0: You're very kind. So I, I, have, to, I have to know straight off the bat, and I have to pretend that I don't already know the answer. Okay. But how, how did you get into gamification? How, what, I know how long you've been doing it, and did you invent it?
1: Well, I didn't invent. <laughs> it's a bold question, I know. <laughs> I didn't invent gamification, but I invented a little corner of it, um, which which segues into the other uh, answer that you're seeking, which is kind of how I got into it and and what I've been doing. So I found myself being at the London College of Fashion, and for anybody listening, they're like, "How on earth is this relevant?" But I promise it will make sense. So I was at the London College Fashion. I grew up wanting to be a fashion designer. So was at the London College Fashion and was also working part time at a Savile Row tailors, if you can believe it, as an apprentice. So really enjoying myself and made clothes at home. So, you know, very early on as a young woman, it's obvious that I have a lot of artistic talent, but a very engineering kind of way of being I like to break things and make things and use my hand in that way and be creative in that way but I was absolutely broke after finishing university as most people are um and, and literally just you know I was living on my own um on top of um like a Turkish restaurant uh in the town I was living in Enfield um and a friend of mine said look you know there's a market research firm literally down the road you know you can walk there within six minutes um, you know, we're all about the same age here and, you know, we have a lot of fun here. And I didn't really know much about market research, to be completely honest. But, you know, it, it the offer was there for a stable, full-time job and I could pay the rent. So, OK, I go off to this company and I start working in market research. Um, and I guess you could say that that was my first career job. And it became really obvious really quickly that there is an engagement problem when people take part in online surveys, because that was part of my job to run research mm. projects, you know, to put out these surveys, get the data back, analyse that data, feed that back to the client. They go off and make whatever their business decisions are going to be. Um, and so I ended up staying in market research for a little while, but seeing the seeing the problem from different facets. Because I started off at what you might call a fieldwork company. So these are people that manage projects that are for research out in the field. And then I went to the software side. So how do how do people script and code these surveys? What's some of the kind of data and the analytics behind, uh, you know, the software behind all that work? Um, and again, the problem is still there, you know. And it boggled my mind, in all honesty, Andrew, that there's all these really intelligent people working in market research, from the people that are talking directly to participants right the way through to people designing the software designing the surveys and everyone recognizes there's a problem with participant engagement but no one really addressing the crux of the issue which is that surveys look really really boring and are really really boring um and so you know you did you did and back then you did get a lot of people who were interested in um, enhancing the look and feel of a survey, right? Making them more user-friendly and, and, and just a better kind of UI overall, you know, uh, adaptation for mobile and things like that. But again, that's very, as you know, right? It's, it's superficial, you know, unless there's a good design and engagement going on, in, uh, design for engagement going on in the background, it's all just, you know. Well,
0: the, the classic thing tops, is... Right? I can remember everyone thinking the, the world's problems were solved when apps like SurveyMonkey came out. And I can right. remember thinking it just it just makes things look prettier. It doesn't actually yeah. change doesn't change the way, you know, you might have kind of workflows or you're not workflows, you know, flowcharts where if they answer this, you can take them down this path. But it doesn't actually solve the biggest problem, which is that you send surveys out to people. And the initial response is, so what? And then if a, if the survey is designed badly then the, the response a few minutes into it is I don't want to do this anymore that, they, that you're, right. they still are the biggest issues I think
1: yeah absolutely so so you've got research suppliers and research buyers who recognize these issues with what we call you know, low response rates high dropout rates. So those are people as you described through about halfway through they're dropping out. And these these mm. rates are measured to the nth degree. And then of course what you then have is a massive domino effect because if people see a survey in their email inbox, for example, and they're just they're just not opening it right, then the research supplier is then spending more time and resources sending out even more emails. And that's got a cost to it. Um, and then, of course, if somebody takes part in a survey and drops out halfway through, well, then you've got to send more emails out with more surveys to kind of re qualify other respondents. Anyway, it's an awful domino effect that I talk about quite extensively in my book, which is, of course, over my shoulder here. People oh, about. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was just having this really, um, I guess you could say, serendipitous experience where I was going home from work, working at the software side of of research going home from work, playing World of Warcraft until three in the morning, and not eating, you know, as is typical with people very addicted to video games. Um, And just sort of thinking, well, what is it that makes me want to play on this screen, engage with this Hmm. screen for hours on end, but people don't want to do a half an hour survey? Um, But then, of course, we can make those comparisons with everything in life, right? Why do people play video games for hours, but you know, they don't want to sit down and do their homework for an hour. Why do people play video games happily all day, but, you know, people are disengaged in the workplace, right, and don't do assignments on time or whatever it might be? Um, so anyway, I wrote a research paper called The Future of Research Through Gaming, and it was about, you know, saying, here's an idea. Why don't we apply gaming techniques and incorporate more playful elements in surveys and start to build in some context, right? Mm. Um, and I presented that paper um, at a conference in Las Vegas, got a standing ovation. That was very nice. Um, and then after that, there was a lot of people who were like, well, you've now got to go and do this thing because you've put the idea out there. And, you know, you can check your watch and in five minutes, somebody else is going to go and do it. Um, so I left the company I was at and I started research through gaming, as was the sort of name of that paper that I presented, um, and then went from there. But, but you know, really seriously dedicated years of my life to studying what makes something engaging, right, in a, in a general sense, but in a digital sense as well. And how can we also prove that someone is engaged? Because that's the other thing, isn't it, is to evidence engagement, it's to evidence the difference between you know, someone's participation in a certain product and service, but then uh, uh, how that's changed or been transformed through adding a gamification approach. So I, I made an effort to study what is engagement and to study gamification. And, and as a designer, incorporated those things that I was learning in my work. And, and, yeah, and then went on to design what I call research games. And that's the name of my invention is research games.
0: Absolutely, want to talk more about research games, uh, but I said at the start of this episode, I, I've been speaking to people in SEO, and then sort of intimating that, that you're not, you're not an SEO professional. Which um, I hope you're not offended, but you, no, yeah, not at we all. Both, no, we both know, you, both you're not. Yes, but yeah. what one of the things that, that really gets keeps me interested in in SEO is that it always good SEO always follows good practice, and good practice always follows new thinking or, or the, the clarification and, and focusing in on, on good practice or good ideas. And one of the things that, that we look at a lot in SEO is how easy is it to use a website? Because ultimately if Google, it doesn't matter how many people you get to your website, if Google sees lots of people arriving at your website and then napping off again, they kind of go, well, your website can't be that that interesting and, and it's not bounce rate. Um, ignore ignore that if you've ever heard it but yes, it's, it's how do people engage with your website and of course google knows because almost everybody has google analytics installed on the website so google knows exactly how well people interact and it's almost become a cliche to say you know you have to guide people through your website there has to be a user journey i mean there does it's not wrong but the more i speak to you betty the more i think that is a in a sense a type of gamification is it or am i am i kind of wildly off the mark here
1: um with with the most kind approach andrew you are off the mark however <laughs> gamification and good gamification design is about all of those elements of great user experience great user interaction having some element of journey and story Um, I mean, if we think about any video games that we've ever played, there's actually a huge amount going on that we might not necessarily think about. There might be music and sound effects that serve to engage us or warn us when we're entering a certain, you know, dangerous territory. Um, There's obviously the visual effects. There is the ease in which we understand and access the instructions and the rules to play the game you know there are teams of people who are you know whose who's literal focus is to ensure that you are engaged from start to finish and I think if everybody approached their life and their business and their work with the mindset of a game designer we would very likely find that our approaches look very very different at the end because to be a game designer means that you're also trying to create different types of values for the user and when i was studying games and trying to kind of understand what is it that we get out of games you know there's all sorts about self-determination theory but there's four things that i wanted to share with you andrew that i think would be really interesting and, and apply not just in gamification but in everything the four values are number one, self discovery value, right? When we play games, we often learn something about ourselves. So, uh, and other people, even, right? So, we might realize, oh, actually, I am, you know, a lot more competitive than I thought I was. Or this game has, me- you know, helped me discover how quickly I can progress through challenges. Or maybe we've understood that I'm more inclined to cheat and take shortcuts uh than i thought i was so, so so you know games give us a lot of self-discovery value they also give us a lot of transcendent value so often in games where part of big worlds right we're part of something bigger than ourselves um so you know in the lowest sense it's about i don't know saving the princess because she's up in a tower so we know that whenever we are super mario and we're defeating turtles or whatever it might be it's because of you know, this bigger cause, right? And games like World of Warcraft are great at that, right? Because you're doing all these quests, and you're literally part of the World of Warcraft. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that. But games also give us narrative value. There's often a story that continues to unfold. And we love stories. And of course, storytelling is such a massive buzzword anyway. But we also get knowledge value. Um, And I've got mates who have joked that they've learned more about geography and politics through playing video games than, you know, just being a person that exists through life so if you have got anything whether it's a survey a website um an employee training exercise i think it's really useful to think about how can i add one or all of those four different value systems to make that process as engaging and value driven as possible for the user um And that's what game designers do because, you know, all of those value systems are so baked into games, but we don't often break it down and think of it like that because not all of us are interested in maybe the academic size or or whatever, and that's fine. People just have fun with games. But I really made it my job to go, what on earth is it that makes games so intrinsically engaging? And then almost trying to take those ingredients and mechanics and then add those into things that aren't games. And that's essentially what gamification is, right? It's taking... Those maybe be um, intrinsic or some of those more superficial elements of games like leaderboards and point systems and adding those to things that aren't games. So we've got, you know, Duolingo, BitBit, Couch to 5K, um, even Weight Watchers. These are all examples of gamification, but we might not think of it as such because we don't know the word or we've you know, not made that, that connection necessarily.
0: Yeah, I, I like it. I can see how it applies to so many things. So self-discovery, trans- transcendent value, narrative value, knowledge value. So how, how does that, I mean, we're talking about surveys, which obviously just, just one part of market research. Can you run us through those four, those four facets with regards to if you just want to learn something about your potential audience? Or let's make it really simple. If you want to learn something about the customers you already have, how would those four four parts, what what considerations would you want to make right at the start of the pro, uh, the uh, process, the well, design? The
1: best way to answer that, Andrew, is to give you an example of a project. Um, so I worked um, for a number of years with the University of Surrey. Um, and as all universities and businesses do, they want to find out more about the consumers and segment their consumers. You know, that you might have the student personas, consumer personas, all the Kind of stuff. Um, and so, what they wanted to understand was how many prospective students fall under a certain persona. Um, and so, they produced year on year, again, as all universities do, a, a survey that is a segmentation study. So, what segment does a particular participant fall into? Um, and, you know, all brands have all sorts of names for these different segments and things like that. So it's not just as simple as the millennial segment or the boomer segment. You know, they've got their own words or whatever, um, as did the University of Surrey. And when they first spoke to me, as many of my clients do, they kind of phone with a lot of frustration. And it's, you know, it's, the story is always the same of you know, we've been putting out this survey for a while. We're just not getting the response rate and the quality of data that, that we would really like to see. We'd like to... You know, have a look at what you do, and so one of the first questions that I asked was, "So, okay, in the traditional survey that you've done, and you find out the the student's persona, who sees that data?" And they said, "Well, we do. You know, it's 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 you know the persona that comes out uh, at the back end, and you know, we we see that, but the student doesn't." So that was the first thing that needed to change was, "Okay, well, people are taking part in your survey." Let them see what their kind of persona type or profile type is at the end. That's going to completely change the approach. So rather than it being, here's a survey from the University of Surrey, please take part, this will take no longer than 15 minutes because we're trying to find out more about our prospective students, yada, 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 yada. Now it became, take part in this survey and see what kind of student you are. Suddenly, there's self-discovery value, right? And knowledge value, suddenly... I now have something I'm going to get out of it and it makes me want to take part. Um, and it was a really straightforward form of very, I would say very simple gamification. So people answered something like 17, 18 questions. Um, and because of the algorithm that was at the back end developed by the university of Surrey and one of their other partners, we were able to spit out what their profile type was pertaining to, to their answers. Um, and the, the level of engagement was completely transformed to the point that the University of Surrey commissioned that for four years, the survey quiz, research game, whatever you want to call it, was on the homepage of their website at one point. And from a below 10% response rate at its highest, we had a 95%.
0: 95
1: yeah, So complete transformation. And in one day alone, we got... Over 1,500 completing uh, their their profile, you know, getting their profile type. Um, and these were not financially incentivized research participants, as, you, as is usually the case, right? People are usually given like, you know, 50p or a dollar, whatever it might be to do a survey. So there was no financial incentive here because the, the, the investment is in the value that they're going to get out of it. Um, and, you know, and that, that's one simple way. And, you know, it relates to a lot of these sort of BuzzFeed quizzes that we see around, you know. I'm, Andrew, I'm sure you've seen this, like, you might get a Facebook quiz. What kind of Disney princess are you? What game of games <laughs> are you? It's kind of using those kind of principles to self-discovery value, right? But for other research games I've designed, I might incorporate more of those value systems. I might say, okay, well, actually what you're doing in this survey is part of a much bigger cause um and really articulate in simple terms to the participant how their contribution is helping and an, uh, you know something else in a positive way but crucially give them some feedback and, and an idea of progress so they can see their contribution go further um and and you know and and that's these are, you know, in a way, this stuff isn't rocket science, right? But then, on the other hand, people are not doing it enough, and then we've got, you know, people not they're, taking part in surveys. So
0: then they're, they're not, and I think that that kind of being part of a, a wider thing, something is, is something that anyone in marketing or any business can no longer ignore, because for for a long time there's there's been the sort of it's almost become a cliche that well millennials, baby boomers, and Gen X like me, allegedly motivated by value and money. Yeah, you know, how much is it going to cost, or how much money am going to get? What value am, am I going to... All kind of quite selfish, but millennials, the theory goes, want to they don't they buy according to am I going to be a part of something? Is what I'm doing going to make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. So this kind of self discovery thing, if you I think if companies aren't thinking about it now, even, you know, outside of market research, I think it, it's it's a real mistake. I'm finding it very easy to sort of relate a lot of these things you're talking about very directly to any aspect of digital marketing. I think the, yes, the combination totally. of your, your, your view of the world through all the work and all, all, the, all the academic stuff and all, all the practical application of gamification aligned perfectly with all digital marketing.
1: Well, thank you. And it explains why my best-selling workshop is my gamification in advertising and marketing workshop, even though my book was about market research. But, you know, there there is the other element to think about that we don't just take part in games, we play games, right? And to play also has really useful value in marketing or training and education or market research, online surveys. Because when we play, we are at our most creative. We um, can, can, you know, share ideas in a way that feels safe. It doesn't feel like they're is, um, you know, judgment or failure, um, you know, where we're allowed to kind of harness our imaginations and a sense of role play. And if we think about a lot of brands, especially a lot of luxury and aspirational brands, right, who want you to imagine wearing that Louis Vuitton suit, want you to imagine wearing those Jimmy Choo shoes, well, actually incorporating a playful experience in that brand interaction really makes sense because Now I feel that I can be creative and imagine myself, you know, in the future, wearing these garments in a way that feels safe and collaborative and creative. And the other element as well is also brands are constantly seeking ideas and collaboration from from their consumers. And play is very creative and collaborative. So that's another reason to harness gamification so that you can get that kind of level of engagement interaction in that way. Because, you know, the one-way marketing messages that we see are so easy to ignore. Um, And ad avoidance is a big deal. You know, we get the YouTube ads and the TV ads and we click through and we scroll and we skip and whatever. Whereas games demand your interaction, don't they? They are two-way media. So even just in the lightest way, if I was to say to you, Andrew, like next time I see you in person, race you to the door. There's gonna be part of you that wants to race me to the door, right? Even though we're both grown adults, right?
0: Because I'm too old it's for the that.
1: invitation to play. We can't we can't resist. Um and so so that's um you know, I think in, an, in a nutshell, you know, gamification really is synonymous with engagement. And I think this is something that people maybe don't fully understand. And I'm not saying that your audience doesn't, but the that people might think, oh gamification is just about making something fun well actually gamification is about solving an engagement problem and in the process especially if done digitally you can also collect valuable data because games are also inherently data collection tools um you
0: you you, you've boggled my mind because one of the big problems (laughs) (laughs) well no one of the big problems with um from seo it's people don't write title tags properly so the titles that they give pages tend to be a statement of fact. They they miss the opportunity to use the title of their page as a lure, as a marketing piece. But I think more than that and more direct and easier to test than that is the headlines and descriptions used in Google Ads. Because people are still writing Google Ads. I've got some really good copywriters, I would say that. I've got some great copy, ad copywriter who works with this guy called Lewis Folcard. Um, who sort of gets approaches things from a more playful angle. Right. But the whole thing that people are still trying to get people to go from an advert to a purchase. And if one of the goals of selling online is to build trust and to build an affinity with a brand in people's minds, if you were to put in an extra step and instead of going from clicking on an advert to purchasing, but click on the advert to um, a game um, or a score app, Or something like that then surely that's an opportunity to still present the people with the hey here's this thing now buy it but at the end of a journey that that gets them to buy into your brand so much stronger that that's what's blowing my mind it's one of those things i've kind of thought about it before but you you've you've cemented the ideas you you've made (laughs) them sort of more tangible especially with the self-discovery transcendent value narrative value knowledge value yeah
1: Oh, Which you that you? spell
0: steneric.
1: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find a <laughs> mnemonic for that. Um, but, you know, there's there, there a lovely example I want to share with you, Andrew, that I think really kind of brings that um, that idea of kind of going from ad to sale and, and kind of coming to life using gamification. So I was running with the Chartered Institute of Marketing. This is some years ago now. I was running one of my gamification in marketing workshops. So it's about two and a half hours. You know, I start off explaining what gamification is, the science the psychology. I show examples from around the world. You know, here's how it's been used in, um, in in getting fit and exercising and dieting, learning new languages. But then, of course, I bring in examples in marketing. And I challenge the people in the room to work on a gamification design to solve a problem that maybe they're having in their business, right? And um, this fellow that was there who runs a small tiling business of all things, right? He he runs a tiling business. And one of the problems that he says he always has with every client is that they always get really shocked at the price. And then he has to expend his time and energy explaining what goes into tiling a floor that it's not just you buy the tiles and this stick them down and that's it, right? That there's a lot more to it and there's several steps and you need different levels of expertise or whatever. So for his gamification approach he wanted to solve this problem so his idea and he kind of you know the the task is to design a gamified approach in 20 minutes and i time it right his idea was to create a tile your floor game to build empathy and trust between him and his customers so his idea was that level one you've got like a really small bathroom floor to tile right and you do that and you, you know, you you do it well, and then you go on to level two. And by the time you get to like level five, you're tiling like a massive, um, you know, courtyard or something like that, right? Um, and you can pick materials and things like that. But crucially, when you pick the different materials to lay down these tiles, those different materials come with different needs for screed and concrete and all sorts of things right. that I don't know about, right? And he was so excited at this idea that. If people were to play this game, they could not only enjoy that and you know it it positions his brand as quite innovative with this cool game, but by the time he comes to responding to their inquiry to give a quote, they have probably had a lot more idea of what it takes and all the different things to consider when tiling a floor. Um and so that's another thing I really love about gamification is the ability that games give us to build empathy and to build trust Um, there's a wonderful game example um, and I'm afraid I don't know what it's called but basically in this game you are a black woman and you've got all of these hands trying to touch your hair which is unfortunately a thing that a lot of black women have to contend with people going I love your hair can I touch it and then without hearing yes or no, they go and touch it anyway. And I can imagine that that's quite invasive and annoying. I think if people asked me if they could touch my hair all the time, I'd get pissed off pretty quickly. So in this game, you have to bat away these hands as they come up to you at increasingly, you know, higher levels of speed, right? And that's because, you know, games get more challenging as you play them. And so you can play a game like that for just a few minutes and you can pretty much, you know get the hint really quickly Mm. how annoying that is so games are so good at putting us in the shoes of someone else so if you you know for whatever you know if you're listening and you've got um, a a business problem an engagement problem in your business somewhere along the line where it's that onboarding stage whether it's in the initial advertising whatever it might be see if you can approach your problem like a game designer like like my friend with the tiles right and 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 see if that can make a difference you know there's no there's no harm in trying
0: it's if i'm ever anyone who's listened to this podcast before if i'm this quiet throughout a podcast <laughs> it's cuz it's because my brain is just gone whoosh it's just gone absolutely fitting off in one direction and <laughs> i said before about google ads or you know online advertising and gamification just being just the perfect bedfellows I think I go a step further, and the whole of inbound marketing it absolutely should be should know the principles of gamification. I've just read a brilliant book by someone called Marcus Sheridan called um, "They Ask You Answer," which is um, I've just started giving it to my clients because it's the it's the best explanation of inbound marketing I've ever read, and it is just like build trust. People have questions, and before they give you money, you have to build trust with them. Gamification is i'm I'm not putting it i'm not finding the words because my brain's still trying to figure it out but it just seems like so obvious it just seems so so obvious and i've been i've been doing inbound marketing for over 20 years but that just kind of hang on why why don't we make it fun especially if it reflects the brand Yeah. because oh, if your brand absolutely. i mean if you're a funeral director you might not you know how many corpses can you fling into a incinerator in a set time although probably that might work but
1: okay however however, saying that saying that there are a lot of you know serious games that do that do deal with some really tough subjects um i played um a video game called that dragon cancer this is this is years ago now um and so i'm taking this down like a really sad road but um basically two uh, uh, pet parents man and man and wife um had a, a young boy who had cancer. And they created a game to show what that experience was like, the the, the good times in between and the moments of hope and the, and the sad times. And you play this game, and I don't mind telling you, I absolutely bawled my eyes out. Um, now, I am child-free, but I could play this game and completely empathise with what these parents were going going through. Um, and, you know, there's other games as well. There's a game I was re- uh, hadn't played, but I was reading about in a fantastic book by a woman called Catherine Isvista called um, Emotion Matters, uh, Games That Move Us or something to that effect. But Catherine Isvista is her name. And um, she wrote about a game where you, you're challenged to, to help your baby go to sleep. But you're hearing increasingly loud noises outside because you are in a war zone. And so, again, that's building empathy about what's going on with people who are living in this situation, perhaps creating more empathy for people who are fleeing these situations and are refugees in other countries. And that's often the side of things that we don't see. Um, you know, so there's, there, there are a lot of serious subjects out there that are tearful, that, that are tragic, but, and people might think that you're making light of things by using a game, but actually a game can be a fantastic platform to empathize and to be emotionally invested. That's the other thing to consider is that real emotional investment because and and I'm sure you've played games, you've seen other people play games. When we play games, we have a real physiological reaction. You know, we throw the controller because we're pissed off and frustrated or our hands go up like this because finally we've did it, you know, we've done it, finally we've beaten the Sentinel in the Harry Potter game, which is the recent thing I did. Um so we have a real emotional response and investment so if we take it back to the commercial world of branding well brands do want their consumers to be emotionally linked right um and especially through covid where people were obviously not going into shops having those branded experiences with the candles going off in the background and the music and you know meeting the staff or whatever so um so yeah, something like a gamified marketing approach can work really well at extending that brand experience, building emotion in a brand um, when you don't maybe have the luxury of visiting a physical location.
0: There, there's there's so many questions in my mind, and I really I really I really enjoyed enjoyed talking to you. I mean, we we we've met before and we've had a chat before, so I I sort of I, I knew a little bit, but. I'm going to stop it there, partly because the the longer you talk, the my more my brain fills up with <laughs> <laughs> sort of potential and, and ideas and things, and and I, I need to draw a line under that somewhere. But um, we're also we're also gone slightly over time. But I didn't want to I didn't want to kind of cut you down because you you were just you know giving more and more value. So I really appreciate you for kind of how how much value you brought to this, Betty. This is an absolutely fascinating subject, and I think it's one that nobody should ignore now yeah you know, ga- games it, it just it suddenly seems so obvious to me
1: yeah <laughs> so and-
0: thank you uh for helping the scales fall from my eyes and bring bring <laughs> some clarity <laughs> to, to my life
1: oh it's a pleasure and you know honestly if, if you if well if you ever want to have another chat about this stuff and you know i'm happy as you can imagine i'm happy to talk about this for days. but you know also if you've got any listeners that feel that they want to experiment they want to have a go um you know i've got workshops i've got project coaching uh design consultation and so there's a myriad of ways to engage um if you if you fancied um having a go and getting some guidance
0: what's the best way for people to get in touch with you
1: ah uh, send me an email send me an email I'll give you a call hello at bettyadamu.com
0: superb i'll put the web address and whatever in the show notes of course so okay. it just remains me to be say thank you ever so much betty this is this has been very very enjoyable in a way that's going to cause me lots of work but very good <laughs>
1: fun work okay well that's a good problem to have well thank you for having me again absolutely it's been nice.
0: okay so i'm gonna say goodbye would you like to say goodbye
1: yes bye thank you and bye